0: So it's always an honor, a wonderful privilege to share out of the, the Word of God and um, if you are visiting us this morning, joining us for the first time, my name is John Peters. I'm part of the, the eldership team of Every Nation Willows. And if you are part of our, our Every Nation Willows, and even if you're part of the evening service, you are also part of this family, you will know that we are part, busy with a, with a sermon series called Counterculture. What it means to live counterculturally. That when we say we are followers of Christ, there's something different to us. The word says that a tree is known by its fruit. So if we say that we follow Jesus, there's something different to to our lives. Um, And Jonathan spoke in great detail last week of of what it means to to live sacrificially. Um, In great detail, he he spoke about, so if you you didn't see that, go and watch uh, and listen to the sermon. And this morning, we're going to look at what it means to, to live generously, what it means If we say that we live generous lives and what the word says about it, it's something Paul spoke about thousands of years back. When he said, he said, I appeal to you brothers. So I appeal to you brothers and sisters to not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And then in the first verse he said, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And obviously, when he spoke about the body, he didn't only mean the physical body, but he said, your soul, your mind, your strength, everything in this body, use it as a living sacrifice to glorify God, get back into your created purpose. And I think we we all would love to know God's will for our lives every day. I mean, is there someone here that do not want to know God's will for your life? I mean, it's obvious, isn't it? And Paul says, okay, so the way to do it is offer your body as a living sacrifice and be sure that you renew your mind daily to be able to discern the will of God. In contrast, Satan's will is to kill, steal, and destroy. So I don't want that. But if you want God's will for your life, you need to transform your mind. You need to transform the way that you think. Um, Paul was so passionate about this that even in Philippians 4, 8, he says, Uh, Fill your mind with those things that are true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent. If there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Apply then what you have seen I am applying in my life, is what Paul said. And the peace of Christ will be with you. What a wonderful promise. But it comes with the renewal of our minds. I've uh, just finished a book called... I want to see if it's on. You can just go to the next slide. Thank you. Winning the war in your mind. Sounds hectic, right? Um, <laughs> and maybe it's just me. Maybe there's just a war going on in my head. All the voices in my head. But, but the fact is that the word says that is exactly what's going on. Some of the things that, that Craig Rochelle, the writer of this book, mentions, and which I would like to share is, Your life will always take the direction of your strongest thoughts. In 10 years from now, you will look at the person staring back from the mirror at you, and that person will be shaped by the thoughts of today. What you are thinking now, wait for it, determines what you think about next. Sounds obvious, doesn't it? (laughs) But think about what you're thinking about. If you wake up first thing in the morning... And the first thing that you do is pick up your phone and you look at an article of, in News24, a horrible, terrible article that is negative. What shape will your thoughts take for the rest of, of the day? Or let's say the first thing you do in the morning is opening your banking app and... Um, I don't know, maybe it's just me, (laughs) but you look at your balance and you look at the calendar and you think, oh my word, there's so many days left in this month, how am I going to possibly get through this month? (laughs) Imagine that's what you do every day, every week, every month, for the years to come. Ten years from now, what what will it look like? In contrast, if you read your Bible every morning, and when there's thoughts of anxiety or worries that creeps into our minds, and Satan trying to make us doubt God's Word, and we read something like Philippians 4, instead of looking at my Bible app, which says, Do not be anxious about anything. The Lord is at hand. Rejoice. I say it again. Rejoice. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, By prayer, yes, we need to pray. That's how we speak to God. Supplication, supplication to God's word. And thanksgiving. How often do we want to praise God when the breakthrough comes, but we don't praise God while we're waiting for the breakthrough? If we read our Bible and meditate on Scripture day after day after day, what will the person be like that stares from you? From the mirror at you, winning the war in your mind, it does sound hectic, and it's a reality, but that's where it all starts, it starts with a thought, an, a, an emotion, an action, and a repeated action, a habit, and before you know it, a cognitive bias, wait, what, a cognitive bias, what is that, John? I had to read it up myself, so I'm going to read it again to you. It is the tendency to act in an irrational way due to our limited ability to process information objectively. So it's the frame or the lenses that you use to create a subjective reality due to past experiences, and this dictates how we respond or behave in the world. Have you ever heard something or seen something, and then you respond in a certain way, and you think, "Why, why did that happen? Where did that come from? Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 5, he says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. The weapons we use in our warfare has got divine power. Marlon, if I remember his name correctly, two weeks back, he spoke on the divine power of the Holy Spirit and how we cannot destroy strongholds the way we think if we do not rely on the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth, the objective truth which is Jesus Christ himself, the word of God, the absolute truth. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. That's what we do with, with subjective mindsets. Usually a toxic negative... Um, Emotion is usually an indication that there is an argument or a lofty opinion being raised in your head against the knowledge of God. And the, the question is, what do we ask or what do we do when, when we experience that? Do we just react to the emotion that we're f- feeling, or do we go back to the word, to the absolute truth, and say, All right. Seeing that I am a follower of Christ, this is how I want to live. So, Lord, please teach me, out of your word, what am I supposed to make of this emotion? Just on a, on a, on a lighter note, so in this book, it's a wonderful book, uh, but it's got also wonderful deep questions, self-reflecting questions at the end of every chapter. And as I go through these this questions, one of the questions is, do I find myself skeptical of others? I immediately write no, I don't, you know, there's no judgment here, (laughs) so Cindy and I, we had a coffee, and she takes this book, and she goes through these questions, and she takes my pen, and she goes, yes, at times I don't want to tell my wife how much money we have, at fear she might go on a spending spree, There's not a lighter side. But the thing is, you know, we we need objective truth. And what what greater objective truth, absolute truth, can we find but in the word of God? And why it's so important to renew our mind. So it's with that in mind, and that we're thinking what we're thinking about, that we're gonna turn to scripture. So if you have your Bible with you, please turn to 2 Corinthians, the second letter of Paul to the Corinthian church, and we're going to read from verse, or chapter 8, verse 1 to 9, verse 15, and then we're going to turn to chapter 9, verse 6 to 14. But before we do that, let's just pray. Lord, thank you for reminding us that, that there is only one absolute truth, Father. And I just want to also um, declare, Father, that I cannot share the truth out of your word without the help of your Holy Spirit. It is also my prayer, Father, and Holy Spirit, that if there is any um, cognitive biases, Father, any, any strongholds, any lies that exist within our minds, Father, that makes us look at generosity in a certain way, Father, that you'll come and break it with your truth and that we will replace those lies, those strongholds with you with your truth, with your absolute truth, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so just some context on, on uh, the letters Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. So he had a, quite a complex relationship with the church. Um, after a visit there, um, and he saw that many of the church, most of the church had backslidden into to old ways of, of living, to conform, they conformed to the cultures of, of Corinth at that time. He was really sorrowful and he wrote them a severe letter, the first, the first letter to the Corinthian church. So he didn't know when he went back to visit them how they would respond. They will probably, he was maybe afraid they'll, they'll stone him. But after receiving a report from Titus that they actually received the first letter um, in a positive manner, that they actually repented for their rebellion against Paul. So it's with, with this joyous heart when Paul received that, that report that he wrote the second letters. And specifically in chapter 8 and 9, which we're going to read, he reminds them why it is important for the believer to be generous. And also he reminds them of a promise that they made. Okay, so let's, let's read. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia, for in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. And I'm reading this and I'm thinking, whoa, there's such contrast. A severe test of affliction, extreme poverty, yet out of the abundance of their joy, it overflows in a wealth of generosity. Where the world's viewpoint is, out of my wealth will come abundance of joy. That's not what the Word says. You know, I'm a full-time financial advisor, and, and I try and help people steward their finances. Um, and it, they usually listen to me. But, <laughs> but the thing is, the Bible also says we should be stewards, but good stewards, and then, then give it away, or give some of it away as the Holy Spirit leads you. So let's read on. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness and our love for you, you see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is also genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, for your and my sake, became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over and whoever gathered little had no lack. Chapter 9, verse 1 to 5, then Paul starts reminding me of the promise that they made to give generously to the the believers in Jerusalem. And then in verse 6, he says this, the point is this, whoever so sparingly, will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully, will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound, so that you having all sufficiency, that all sufficiency means being content in every situation, at all times you may abound in every good work. You supply seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God the Father. So it's a mouthful. But what I would like to do out of, out of these scriptures, I would like to make three statements. And then what I would like you to do is think of how, what is your immediate response when you hear these statements? Are there any cognitive biases, are there any strongholds, any way of thinking that might be in contrast to what the Word says, the absolute truth? Okay, so are you ready to think of what you're thinking about? Statement one, generosity is an act of grace. Paul said, see that you excel in what? In this act of Grace. So he was, he was happy that they excelling in faith and speech and knowledge and all earnestness and love. But he said, excel in this act of grace also. I think that as, if we don't, the more we understand the grace of God, the more we will overflow in generosity. It's a given. It's what the word says. We won't be able but to help when we understand the grace of God and we see a brother in need or we see someone in need, we will not help but say, how can I help? Okay. So grace, what is, or, or, or let me use another scripture rather and, and define grace. It comes from Ephesians 2, 8 to, to 10. A wonderful scripture, but deep meaning. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, So that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which he which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. Grace for a reason, saved for a reason, created in Christ Jesus, his workmanship literally his work of art, so that we should walk in the works and bear fruit that glorifies him. Generosity is an act of grace and most definitely one of these works to walk in. And I think when I, when I read this, I also thought about it. You know, There's something about the grace of God which we'll never understand if we are not generous. And the more generous we become, the more we're going to understand God's grace. It's like sitting in your connect group and you're hearing all these messages until you start having to prepare a lesson yourself you start learning more. So we're going to understand more of the grace of God once we become more generous. So that's the first statement. So think about what you're thinking about. Statement number two. You are not the owner. You are not the owner. I am not the owner. You are but a steward. I love the Afrikaans word for stewardship. It's rentmeesterskap. It's so beautiful to me. You're a steward. God is able to make all grace abound. God is able. So that you having all sufficiency in all things at all times. Even when my bank balance isn't what it should be, we can be gracious in other ways. We can use your gift, your resources. You can still use it to glorify God. He who supplies seed for sowing. Who supplies God supplies. Seed for sowing and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Listen to Proverbs ten verse twenty two. It says, The blessing of the Lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow with it. Or how about one or Colossians one sixteen, for by him all things were created in heaven and earth. Visible and inv- invisible, whether thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And if we are his workmanship, surely that means us as well. You know, sometimes when I when I when I when I get this this idea that, you know, I deserve this, or or maybe I should get that, because ultimately I've worked very hard for this. <laughs> But that, that's not what the scripture says. I'm, I'm not the owner. So then I have to quote these scriptures to my mind to renew my mind. And after quoting these scriptures to my mind, sometimes very loud in the car, the other, car, other drivers around me must think I'm, I'm a bit mad. And then I make this declaration. Nothing that I have is because of me. It's a gift for a greater purpose than myself. Surely if I use these gifts for self-gain, or glorification, sorrow will follow. And I can testify how many times did I not wait for God's provision where I would make, take out a loan or do this or do this or jump into that, that um, business opportunity only, only to, to have my heart filled with sorrow later on because I, d- I thought I was the owner. But the word says we are not. So I'm staffing these statements with the truth of God, with the absolute truth. 1 Timothy 6, 17-19. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, which means not to be superiorly arrogant, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good. To be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of what is truly life. True life. Life in all its fullness is what God promises us. So statement number three. generosity produces thanksgiving in the heart of the receiver you'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God have you ever prayed for a breakthrough whether it's financial or or health or whatever the breakthrough that you that you expect did you ever pray for a breakthrough and then that breakthrough didn't come through falling out of the sky but it it came through a person that was obedient to the Word of God, to this call to be generous. And how did it make you feel? Not all at once. But how did it make you feel? Did it produce thanksgiving towards God? And even if you were that person helping someone, and that person, person isn't yet a believer or isn't a believer, that person, the seed that was sown into that person's heart will make him wonder. Maybe God is real. You see, we were meant to sow the seed that God gave us. We can't take the responsibility for the growth in that person's heart, but the Holy Spirit will do that. Some other time, in God's timing, He will do it. The fact of this morning's message is that that you can be that person we as a church and we are doing it in many by the grace of God in many people's lives you can be that person through your generosity that produces thanksgiving in that person's heart and God be glorified and that's the ultimate thing our giving our generosity should always bring glory to God's name if we do it because we want something in return then we've lost that reward already but god says He should be glorified. So to be generous is an act of grace. And if we apply God-honoring stewardship that produces thanksgiving to God, you will have joy that far exceeds anything this world has to offer. John 15, Jesus said to his disciples, Peace is what I give you, not as the world gives. So let your hearts or your mind not be troubled or afraid. And then he goes on, Jesus said, all right, abide in me, and you will not help but bear fruit, Work, walk in the works that I've prepared for you. And as we start bearing fruit, and as we do these works, we experience a joy that far exceeds anything that this life ever has to offer. So in concluding this morning, what emotion did you experience when, when I made these statements? How did you feel? Is the Holy Spirit prompting you to be more generous? David, if you can just come up, please. You can go to the last slide, please. So generosity is an act of grace. We are not the owners. And our giving, our generosity, should always glorify God. And it's with that in mind that I want to ask you this, this morning, and we can truly pray into this. You can close your eyes. Knowing that, that we all will have to give an account one day to God concerning how we practice our stewardship of His gifts. Are you willing to ask God this morning to show you how to be more generous? And walk in the works that He has prepared for you. We can use our, our, our resources, our time, our treasures to glorify God. But I want to ask you this morning, are you willing to ask that question? It's a serious question. And I'm, I want to I declare this morning, I am willing. Lord, I am willing on behalf of Willows to ask, Father, will you show us how to be more generous, Lord? And I want to ask you to be bold this morning. If you, if you feel that you want to answer that question, and you want to declare that over your life this morning. Don't you just want to stand up and say, Father, teach me to be more generous. Not according to my subjective truth, but according to your word. Lord, help me to be more generous, to walk more in the, in the grace, in the grace of God. So can we be bold this morning? If you, if you feel comfortable, if you want to stand up and say, listen, God, I want you to show this to me. Lord, help me. Thank you, guys. I'm standing Lord, I want this. Lord, I know true fulfillment, true joy only comes from adhering to this goal, Lord. We are not the owners. Lord, there's a certain part of grace that we understand only when we become more generous. It's also that when some cognitive bias is exposed or, or, or God shows us something in our life that needs to, to, we need to submit according to His Word, we need to repent and say, Father, So, Lord, this morning, I want to repent, Lord, and say that there's times that I still miss, Father, where you call me to be generous. Where life gets so busy, Father, and I forget, and I don't hear your voice. And I want to repent, Lord, but I ask, Holy Spirit, that you will make us attentive, that you will prompt us. Holy Spirit, I ask that you will help us to apply the spiritual discipline of transforming our minds with your truth that we will fill our minds with those things that are true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, worthy of praise, excellent things, Father, that honors you. So Lord, please hear our prayer this morning and teach us and guide us and help us to be accountable in our connect groups to our brothers and sisters. Say, listen, this is what God told me this morning and help me. I want to be accountable, so help me. Ask me next week. How did it go? Ask me next month when I receive my pay. <laughs> so thank you, Lord. Guys, you must say thank you so much. Amen. May you have an awesome week. And may this, this, this word of God truly renew your mind concerning generosity. Thank you for the privilege. <laughs>